Welcome to Rethink Energy. I'm your host, Jessica Aberland. Today on the show, we're so happy to be talking with Kathy Lynn. Kathy is the energy manager for Arlington Public Schools. Last week on the show, we talked about Discovery Elementary, Arlington's first zero net energy school. Zero net energy again means that the school is so energy efficient that putting solar panels on the roof provides the same amount of electricity as it uses over the course of a year. So Kathy was, of course, involved in that project, but she actually learned about zero net energy from working on her own home. So we have natural gas and we have electricity at home. We have had our solar PV array for almost four years, and we are net zero for at least three and a half years for electricity. If you're able to reduce your energy footprint, you can put a solar PV array, and it does not have to be large, and you can pretty much go net zero for electricity. That's awesome. Congratulations. (laughs) Can you kind of take me through where you started with your house and then how you got to net zero? We have an older home, probably built around 1950. We have newer windows and things like that, but we have a three-season room, so it's not heated or cooled. We used to bring an electric heater, but that really increased the electricity costs. I mean, enough, which really surprised me, that it it was comparable to our summertime electricity cost. Just for the one? Just one electric 1,500-watt plug-in heater. Just in case you missed that, the plug-in space heater for this one room used about the same amount of electricity as the air conditioning uses to cool the whole house in the summer. We decided to get rid of that. We also tried to change our set points. A set point is the temperature that your house thermostat is set at. So having a programmable thermostat allows us to do that so that we can set it back when we're not home, when we're on vacation, and changing out all your light bulbs. So once we did that, I saw for the next two and a half years a reduction in our electricity usage. Do you know by about how much? Roughly, it doesn't have to be exact. You can look it up. You can look it up right now. Yes. Wow. (laughs) True energy manager in private and professional life. Let's see. It was about a twenty percent drop. Then she invested in panels that were just big enough to cover the remainder. This is the key. What you want to do first are all of the simple, straightforward things: the insulating, putting in good windows, changing out your light bulbs. You have to actually learn how to use that programmable thermostat. Drop the electricity demand that the solar will then have to cover to get to zero. It's not rocket science. No fancy gadgets required. Just the basics. So in your work, what are some of your goals? I guess my main goal is really to use our resources smartly and not waste our resources. We have a, we have room for improvement. I mean, whether it's, you know, when you leave the classroom, when you leave a meeting room to turn off the lights, to make sure the computers are shut down in the evening after you're done using them, and that really helps. We have some really great custodial staff, and they'll be like, you know, this bulb is not only very expensive to replace, but, you know, it's using a lot of energy. Can we look for an LED equivalent? You must have done some work to build that culture where people know that they can come to you with their ideas for, you know, making changes to save energy. How did you kind of cultivate that? 
It takes time speaking to the different groups, you know, letting them know that you're there and available as a resource to help them out. One of our largest projects we just finished this past school year was Thomas Jefferson's gymnasium. That's Thomas Jefferson Middle School, which also doubles as a community center. It was a team effort, you know, meeting with the building engineer there, you know, talking about what their needs were and seeing, you know, some of their challenges. It's a large space that is used many, many hours, say from 530 in the morning till 1030 at night, but also on the weekends, Saturdays and Sundays. They had very old fixtures. In fact, they had 300-watt incandescent bulbs, 400-watt metal halides, and just a lot of fixtures that took a lot of time to maintain, to operate, and also to replace. One thing about incandescent lights in a situation where they're on for so many hours every day is that they burn out quickly. When she was talking to the building engineer, the person that takes care of the building, they expressed how difficult it was to manage. Every time you want to change a light, you have to get a lift because the ceilings are so high. Since the gym is fully occupied all the time, it makes it very hard to bring in the lift and change everything out. It's expensive to do that for just one light. So what ended up happening is they would wait until multiple light bulbs went out to make it worth getting the lift. Then there would be these dark, kind of gloomy spots. It was not ideal. So this opportunity came up to retrofit all of the old and efficient lights with those new energy-efficient LEDs. What's great about LEDs is that they last many years. Essentially, that maintenance headache just went away. We're really happy with it because I think it brings in better light. Um, The light bulbs aren't going out, and it's just easier to operate. This is exactly the kind of project that Kathy is looking for where there's not just an energy and money savings impact, but also an improvement in quality and occupant comfort and maintenance. These kinds of projects also help win the support of folks that might have started off being a bit skeptical of this whole green energy thing. Plus some money savings. Right. So the money savings is significant. So because of the type of older fixtures they had, annual savings were estimating about forty to $50,000 a year just in electricity savings. There are also other costs that you know you don't really have exact numbers on, but how often you have to get the lift, how often do you have to go up and change one or two fix, you know, light bulbs in a fixture. So. So for other, maybe even more technical, other people that work for other school systems, what's something that you have learned in your experience, in your role, that you think would be really useful for them to know? In order to really reduce our energy footprint, we really have to start with good insulation because your building may have the best energy-efficient equipment. We might have renewable technology, but it really doesn't help if you have a very leaky building. Your roofing, your windows, everything has to be tight, as tight as possible, as well-built as possible. Renewable shouldn't be like the first option. It really should be after you've thought out your design of your building. People forget about maintenance sometimes. You know, maintenance is never flashy or pretty. And maintenance requires resources, both in staff and in dollars. So when you continue to defer maintenance, you pay a larger price in the end. I mean, we see that in any area now, nationally, whether it's our bridges, our interstates, and even metro. 
and it's significant. So the current people may not see it, but down the road, you've really kind of shot yourself in the foot and you're playing catch up. And when you start playing catch up, you don't ever save energy. We've become accustomed to good infrastructure, but we forget that good infrastructure requires resources. Yeah. Good maintenance. Yeah. Care and feeding. (laughs) And what would you say makes you hopeful? I think that the younger generation has embraced it. They understand, I believe, the importance of sustainability. Kathy told me about how she's seen these kids' enthusiasm for sustainability as a science fair judge. And when you walk around as a judge and you listen to their presentations, you see how well the students have developed their ideas and their kind of hypothesis and how excited they are about this project and the impact it has. It's not something that they're just doing because they have to do it and it's a grade, but it's something that really had an impact and made them think, okay, I want to continue this and I want to see what happens. She mentioned to me that there's a video online about the science fair as part of this environmental series that Arlington Public Schools does called Green Scene. It is incredible. There's this one kid that built a hand crank motor and was using it to power a light. So lucky for you, I was able to get my hands on the audio for the science fair. Northern Virginia Regional Science Fair. Here in this part of the fair, we're actually representing some of the environmental projects, environmental science. And they induce electron flow into copper wire. So when you spin magnets around wire, it produces ele- it pushes the electrons with their lines of force in the wire, producing voltage and amperage. And these two are connected, and these two are connected, and the end leads are connected to the lights. There is no carbon footprint with this, and it's just using human power, and it could use this could be attached to water or wind or anything, which generates electricity. Using magnets and wire, not like like fossil fuels, which are very bad for the environment. And then I recorded the energy generation for six minutes as a control. Oak created the greatest temperature change out of all three of the wood. So my project was the effect of a solar panel on heat absorption. My hypothesis was that less heat would be conducted when a solar panel was active based off of the first law of thermodynamics. It would reduce heat into a house. So if uh, you had solar panels on your house, it would reduce the heat absorbed and that would also conserve energy. These kids are talking about voltage amperage and the laws of thermodynamics. For my eighth grade science fair, All I did was test out hand soap. I mean, the fact that these kids at their age are already doing projects this sophisticated, that gives me hope too. Thanks for listening to Rethink Energy, and remember to subscribe or follow us on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Special thanks today to Kathy Lynn from Arlington Public Schools. Thanks to Chris Summers and Aliyah Khan for helping produce this episode. Music included works by Benjamanji, Poddington Bear, Unthunk, and Scott Gratton. To learn more about Rethink Energy, visit us on the web at arlingtonenergy.us. Mm-hmm.